0: Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Center podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. So this month, we're speaking from Ephesians 3.20, and the whole theme of it is there is more. And I want to read to you Ephesians 3.20, it says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. My title this morning is called Take a Step. And, and I believe for us to have more in our life, we need to take a step. If when if you're ever going to go somewhere, you've got to start off with a step. I remember before I got married when I was a Christian, but I was single, I didn't have a car and to be to be honest. Uh, I'm encouraging Bo to hurry up and get his license, but I didn't get my license till I was 24. So I had to go everywhere walking. And I remember when I was dating Renee, uh, we'd finish and I'd have to walk home from her place. And so the massive journey home would start I had to stick with one of those bags on the back you see with those hobos. No, not really. But I'd walk all the way home. And it seemed like a long way. I think it was probably from the distance I had to walk from her place to my place was about here, walking all the way along the road to the front beach. I don't know. I might be exaggerating for, 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 just to help with the story. But it felt like a long way. When, when Sometimes I'd get bored. And so I'd go, let's go for a walk around town. So again, I'd have to leave my house and I'd walk around town and there was this one place that we had one place in all of Ingham that was higher than one story and it was the Cane Growers building. And I'd be bored so I just decided to go walking up the stairs. I had an exciting life, didn't I? And so I'd walk up these stairs and, but to go up them, you just have to take one. So I decided I'd walk up and say, I wonder if I can get on the roof, but you couldn't. But to get up the stairs from level to level, it took, one step at a time. We had to get up. We get up. My son right now is starting to take his first steps. Our son. It's really cool. He, he, he's pretty much walking now, and his walking started off really sort of. I, I saw his first ever step. Renee wasn't there. Don't tell her that. But no, she. But uh, oh, she's here. I thought she was out the bit. Now she. No, he didn't. He didn't step. He just fell and he put his foot out. But when he was walking, it started off pretty, you know, like that. But now, as he's got on, he's starting to walk a lot better. He's still got his arms up like a bit of an orangutan as he walks. (laughs) Sorry, mate. And, uh, but as a dad, I'm so proud. I know it's something that every kid does. It's a normal thing that every human being does. But as a father, I see it and I see him walking and something in me goes, man, my son's awesome. No one else has ever done this before. We're all like that, and, and as parents, I'm sure, and, and God's like that too. He's excited when he sees us taking steps towards the dreams and the purpose he's put in our life. It's as if you were the only person who ever did it. That's how excited and passionate he's got because God gives everybody a dream. He, gives, he puts them on the planet for a purpose, for a reason. And the only way we can get there is by taking steps towards those dreams towards, as that Bible verse says in Ephesians 3.20, the words are really cool. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. So to get to that immeasurably more that God's got for you, the more that you can imagine or even think of or dream of, to get to that place, it's going to take a step. So today I'd like to read to you a Bible verse about a guy who was about to take a step towards something more in his life. And so if everyone would like to turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 14.22. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost. No, that's Shaggy off Scooby-Doo. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water. And came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? So let's fast forward. We get to the boat. So I bought this boat just during the week. Now I've done research. This is about to scale the size of the boat from the story. Not really. Could you imagine trying to fit 12 dudes in this? This is not very big, and I thought, you know what, I might get 12 guys in here to see what it would look like. But it might pop, and there's $40 down the drain. We need this. So, here's the boat. We've got 12 guys in here, and the Bible says they were rowing, and the wind was against them. So, they're rowing, and they're they're rowing the boat. And I need someone to pretend to be Jesus, Cal, come on up. He's got a beard. He's he's probably the most Jesus like looking person here, except his hair's too short, but that's okay. Just come, just come and pretend you're walking over here. not up there, down here. Alright, so I'm Peter. And I'm in the boat, and they see Jesus coming. Now, I had doubts whether to use him because he's already playing up with the crowd, but you're just walking. Jesus wasn't waving to people and pointing. Come. (laughs) He might have been. Who knows? Stop there. So Jesus gets to here, and Peter's in this moment, and they see him. They think he's a ghost. But Peter recognizes him as Jesus, and then he goes, Jesus, if you call me, I'll come. And he says, come. And in that moment, right there, Peter's about to take, take a step into something new, into a moment. That no one's ever done before, except Jesus. And no one's probably done ever since that moment. And it's really cool because if we have a look in this time, God's got more for Peter. He's got more for Peter's life. Thanks, thanks. You can sit back down. That he helped. Give him a hand. Jesus has got more for Peter in this moment. If you ever look all throughout Peter's life, his entire life, it was marked by the fact that Jesus had more for him. God had more for his life. He's there as a fisherman. He's fishing and Jesus walks up to him and says, hey, come follow me. He's got more for, Jesus, for Peter's life. In another moment, he, start, he comes up to him, and says, I'm going to, right now you're a fisher of fish, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men. In another moment, he says, you know, your name's Simon, which meant read, but I'm, I've changed your name to Peter, which meant rock. And on this, I'll build my church. He had more for Peter. And if we fast forward a little bit more, he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit in the upper room because God had more for his life than what he already had. If you see in another moment, he's up on, a, he's up on top of a... On top of Simon the Tenor's house, he's up there praying, and God gives him a vision of a sheet coming down with all these animals on it. And he basically says to him, hey, I've also called the Gentiles, because at that moment only really Jewish converts were taking place, because God had more for Peter. It wasn't just about the Jews. God wanted the Gentiles too. The church wasn't just about those of the people of Israel, but it was also about the rest of the world as well, because God had more for Peter. In our life, God's got more for you than you are right now. Where you're living right now, God's got more for you. And and right now, I believe God's given most of the people in this room a dream. Something to live for. Or maybe you don't have something very clear, because some people don't. In fact, I'm told most people don't have a very clear idea, but God has still spoken to them and said, there is more. I've got more for you than the life you've got right now, right here. So why don't you pull out your phone? Maybe you've got a piece of paper. Maybe you just want to write in your Bible in the front where there's notes section. Just write down that dream that God's placed on your life. The thing that you believe God wants you to do with the rest of your life right now. And here's the cool thing. In that moment when Peter's here on the side of the boat, if Jesus hadn't called him and he just decided, you know what, I'm going to walk on water, boom, he would have sunk. I've heard of people who've tried it and every single time they sink. I even tried it when I first became a Christian. I thought, how cool would this be? I went down the beach, and every single step, I'll straight into the water. Ah, I can't walk. Would have been cool if I could. Because, see, God spoke to Peter. When God speaks to you, you can walk on water, you can walk with faith towards a goal that God's placed in your life. But let's stop there. Many people make up all these excuses why in their life they don't believe there is more for them. And one of those things I think that we have in our life is we think because of our past, because of the things we 've done it 's disqualified us from the more that god 's got for us don 't we I think we do. We have a look at the guy named Moses. Moses was this guy who, who, who was raised in in the house of Pharaoh. His mum loved him so much she refused to kill him like the Pharaoh told all of the Israelites they had to do kill the their, their, their sons, but they could let the women live. And so because she loved her son so much, she put her, put him in a basket, sent him down the Nile. The baby was found by Pharaoh's daughter. Grabbed her. He was raised as a prince one day because God had placed in his heart the fact that he was a rescuer of people. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. He killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. The next day he saw two Hebrews fighting. So he went up to them and said, hey, guys, why are you fighting? Usually the same people, and they said, "What are you going to do? You're going to kill us like you did the Egyptians?" Scared that he was going to be killed or put in prison, he runs away to the desert. Then one day, he sees forty at the age of eighty, forty years later. He sees a bush on fire, and he goes up. To, he goes up, and he goes to check it out because it wasn't burning up. And he gets there, and God speaks to him, and he, and he says. Moses, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. So he takes off the sandals, walks up. God speaks to him and says, hey, I'm going to send you back to Egypt, and I want you to rescue all of my my people because their cry for help has come up to me. You're going to lead them all out of Egypt and into a place that I've promised them, flowing with milk and honey. When I read this, I notice that Peter makes, not Peter, sorry, Moses makes heaps of excuses. Like, what if they don't listen to me? What if I can't read, I could not read, I can't speak well? And God speaks to those excuses all the time. But the one thing Peter never brings up is, I killed a guy. Which for me, that'd be the first thing I'd bring up. If God came and said, I'm going to use you to be the Prime Minister of Australia, I said, oh, no, there's one problem, I killed, I killed this guy. It's probably going to get found out. It's probably going to be in the news as soon as I register at the ballot box. But Peter doesn't. Is it because Peter's dealt with that in that 40 years in the desert? Is Maybe it's because he knows that, hey, this is God, so he probably knows about it already. I'm not sure. But when you read it, he never brings up his past. And the even cooler thing is that God doesn't bring it up either. Not at one point does he say, now, I know you've killed this guy, but it's all right, I'll fix that. He says... Hey, I've called you to do something amazing. And it's the same with us. God doesn't bring up our past. Our past doesn't disqualify us from the amazing thing that he's got in store for us. That there is more. The past doesn't disqualify us from that there is more. If you have a look at Samson, Samson was this guy. He had everything. When I read the story, I think he was probably good looking like Brad Pitt. We were watching the Golden Globes and my wife said, man, he's good looking. He's very good. I don't know the exact words. I expected her to say, but not as good looking as you. It never came. I was devastated. (laughs) But that's all right. I'm in trouble when I get home. So, he's got everything. When the anointing comes on him, he's super strong. He's, he's, He's built. He's got everything going for him. God's called him to rescue his people. But he just stuffs it up over and over again. He does everything God tells him not to do. He goes after women that he shouldn't have gone after. He had issues with so much lust and wanting stuff in his life, and it it broke him and, and, and crushed the future that God had in store for him. And then one day, because he gave away his secret to Delilah, they were able to cut off his hair, bind him. The Bible says from that moment on, they gouged out his eyes. They took his vision from him. And then they strapped him to a, like, like a grain grinder where he just walked around his whole life just grinding, grinding grain. And the Philistines loved it. They got to make fun of him because there's that guy that killed us. Now we're making sport of him. But I love what the Bible says. As soon as that happens, it says, but his hair started to grow again. So it's the same with us. We can stuff up. We can mess everything up. We can feel like we stuffed it all up in our whole life. If I hadn't done that, if I didn't do this, if I didn't get involved in that, if I didn't do what that guy told me to do when he said to get involved in that business and he took advantage of me, if I didn't do this and if I just stayed where I was, the cool thing is our hair starts to grow back again. It doesn't matter about our past. God deals with it on the cross. Our past doesn't matter. I can tell you things that I've done. I remember growing up, I'd steal pacers from the news agency. They put the pencil in them because, hey, my dad wouldn't let me get one. I had to use a, a dodgy pencil that everyone else had. I wanted, a, I wanted a pacer. So I'd steal them when the, when the news agency lady wasn't looking. Mum and dad owned a convenience store, so I'd sneak down there whenever I went to sleep and steal biscuits and ice creams out of the freezer. I'd even Dad wasn't paying me, so I used to steal $50 out of the cash register. I don't know if I did that once a week or every day. I can't remember. But... I couldn't work it out while I was thinking about it. That's pretty dodgy, isn't it, you know? So I'd take it out. And then when my brother found it, so there was like about $2,000 or $3,000 sitting in my top of my cupboard hidden, my brother took it all and started giving it to his mates and I was dirty as. Pretty hypocritical though, but I was angry as at him. I've lied to my pastor in the past when I was living in England when I was a pastor there and I was a youth leader. And I, I lost the position because I was lying, but the cool thing is my past didn't stop the fact that God has had something amazing for my life. And it's the same with you, no matter what you've done. God's got something amazing for your life. I want to read one Bible verse before we go into to the next part. It says this. Hebrews 8.12, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. I heard Phil Pringle speak a really cool message. It was about the, the only thing that can make God tired. And it's from, the, it's from Isaiah. And it's, it talks about when people are always reminding him of their sins. It's the only thing. The, whole, the guy who created the entire universe, who is self-sustaining, it's the only time he ever says, man, this wearies me when you keep reminding me of your sin. So the Bible says that he, he wipes our sins clear for his sake because he doesn't want to hear it anymore. I thought, what a cool message. But that's how it is with us. God has forgotten your sins, it's over, it's dealt with. The next thing that we use sometimes that we think disqualifies us is age. We get to 60, 70, 80, we think it's over. I've done my time, age has passed me by, God doesn't really have more for me because I'm getting old, it's time just to retire, sit back, enjoy life, go fishing, eat fruit salad, I'm not sure, but um, Get a Hawaiian shirt. Uh, Go on a cruise. No, that's go on a cruise. We think time's up. But I love the story of Caleb in the Bible. And you you probably know the story, but let me share a little bit. Back when Moses. and and, and the people were about to go into the promised land that he gave them. The first thing he did, he sent out 12 spies. So he sent out 10 guys plus Caleb and Joshua. And they go into the the promised land and they walk around and they come back and they go to Moses. They come back and they give everybody the report. 10 of them say, man, those people were so big. They were the descendants of Anak, which were the giants. You know, that's where Goliath came from. They 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 were huge and And we were like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't take this place. It's too big. But then Caleb and Joshua come back. And Caleb's the spokesperson. And Caleb says, he says, you know what? They were like grasshoppers to us. We can go in there and we can take this place. And in that moment, Moses, because they don't go in, they have to walk around the desert for a bit longer till those people who didn't believe they could take the land till they could die out. So that those who believed that they could take this place for God until they could until they were just them left over, so they could walk in and take it. But Moses says to Caleb, the place where you tread your feet, you will have. So then we fast forward to Joshua, the book of Joshua, and Joshua's there, and they've come in and they've taken the land, and Joshua's starting to divvy up the land. He said, this land's yours, and this land's yours, this place is yours. And then Caleb comes up to him and says, hey, Joshua, remember what Moses said. He said, the place where I tread my foot. I will have. And I treaded on those high, in that high country, so give me my mountain. And he says, now, Moses said it 40 years ago, I'm now 85 years of age, but give me my mountain. I think that's such a powerful message for everybody here who's gotten a little bit older, that even at 85, Caleb wanted his mountain, because he still believed that God had more for him, even in his old age. So it doesn't matter how old we get today. It doesn't matter how old we are in the future. God's always got something more for you and for me. It doesn't pass us by. We may have made mistakes. We may have stuffed up. But God, no matter how old we get, says, you know what? If you draw in close to me, if you press into me, if you read my word, I will give you more than what you've got. I was reading this really cool story. about a, So who knows who Russell Evans is? Russell Evans is a senior pastor of Planet Shakers Church, so amazing things. And then he's got a brother named Ashley Evans. Well, his dad was Andrew Evans, who was the national superintendent of the AOG, which is now the ACC, for for 20 years. Now, his dad's name was Tom. And at the age of 80, he went up to his son, who was Andrew Evans, and said to him, Hey, I want some money because I'm going to start a church in the Catherine. And his son said to him, he said, No, no, you, you don't know. I'm not giving you that money because planning churches is a young man's game. He said, no, no, I believe God's told me to go and start a church. So he eventually said, all right, Dad, here's the money at 80 years of age. Then at 85, he went back to his dad again and said, I think, I believe God's called me to plan a church in Tennant Creek. So his dad said, all right, there's the money. son, sorry, said, all right, Dad, there's the money. Doesn't matter about how old we are. I read this really cool tweet during the week. It's about, it was a pastor in his church and it said this. In the tweet, he said, this is why we do what we do. This gentleman is 82 and he was baptized on Sunday for the very first time. And then he wrote, one and every generation matters. I thought, what a cool thing. At 82 years of age, God still had more for this guy. God's got more for us no matter how we are. And, and, it's not just when we get old. When we're young, God's got more for you too. Sometimes we think, oh, I've got to wait till I'm 21. I've got to wait till I'm 30 before God does something amazing in my life. It God, if you look in the Bible, use people of all ages. I thought it was really cool. God called Samuel at age 11. When he was in the temple, he was going to sleep and God spoke to him. He said, Samuel, and he got up and he kept going to Eli until the third time, Eli realized, oh, actually, that's God talking. So next time say, God, I'm here. Your servant's listening. He was 11 years old, they reckon. Jeremiah, when he was called, when he said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I appointed you a prophet of the nations. They reckon he was probably about 17 years old. Josiah, who was one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel. When Israel and Judah had become two kingdoms, he was one of the kings of Judah. And he, they say, was eight years old when he became king because his dad was assassinated. Don't think. God can't use me to do anything amazing because I'm not a certain age. Doesn't matter how old you are, there's still more. I read about the disciples. The disciples, I reckon, were about 30 when God called them, probably. They're not sure, but probably. That's what one guy said when I was reading. He was probably about 30 because that would have been about Jesus' age. So you can see, among every generation, God calls you no matter how old you are. There's still more for you. Don't let the enemy disqualify you. Because God's still got more for you. And the next thing is pain and hurt. Sometimes pain and hurt take place in our life. Things happen that we have no control over, but something happened in our past Maybe we did have a little bit of control, but it's created so much pain and hurt in our life. And it just feels like we're in this prison that we can't get out of. And we believe that, you know what, this is my lot for my rest of my life. But God has still got more for you. If you ever look and you read the story of Job, it's probably the most depressing story in the history of the Bible. He, the Bible says he was, he was, there was no man like him. He was one of the most influential and powerful men in all of the East. At his time, and this is how much how much possessions he had. Let me read it to you. He had seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, five hundred yoke of oxen, five hundred donkeys, and a large number of servants. He, and he had a heap of kids. He had uh, he had seven sons and three daughters. So he probably had a lot of houses, or maybe tents back in those days. And one guy tried to do the math and work out what that would be in today's numbers. And they say it would have been about $56 million worth of stuff. And they say he was probably the second richest man in the Bible after Abraham. I read that somewhere else as well once. Probably the second richest guy in the whole Bible. But in one day, all that he had was taken from him. His servants came in from the field and said, oh, you know what? You're... all of your animals and your livestock have been killed. Then he comes in and then even worse, he says, you know what? Now your, your sons and your daughters, they're all dead as well. And to make things worse, then at another time he gets really sick. So he's unwell. He gets so sick that his wife, who's really encouraged, just says, curse God and die. But he refuses to. And then the whole, story, the whole book of Job is about him talking to his friends who are trying to tell him who God is like, which is wrong. But he, and, and then his belief in who the nature of God is, which is a right way of looking at him. And there's heaps of chapters all around that. But the really cool thing is at the end of the story, God gives him double what he already had at the start. And I think it's a great story that reminds us no matter what we go through, no matter what pain we feel in our life, no matter how hard things get, God's still got more for us. Now, the promise isn't more stuff, but the promise is there's more more blessing, more influence, more opportunity. That might include stuff, but more. God's got more for you and for me. So what's the stuff that's happened in your life? Have you been betrayed, hurt, taken advantage of? What are those things in your world that have caused you to think maybe there's not more? What are those things in your world that you, that keep you awake at night, that go, man, if that hadn't happened to me, everything would be okay? I know in my life, oh, there's a lot of domestic violence in my home. And it did, and it, you know, in my heart, it messed up my heart a fair bit. And there's times in my life where I get angry at God or angry at whoever, angry at my dad, I'm not sure who it is I get angry at, but I get angry and go, man, if that hadn't happened to me, I could be further along in my walk with God. But it's a lie. Because the reality is God's got more for you and more for me, no matter what we've been through, no matter where we go. I love the story of Winston Churchill. And it's really cool because we all know he becomes Prime Minister during World War II and he keeps England together and he keeps the, an entire Commonwealth fighting towards a cause that looks almost lost. But before he becomes Prime Minister, who knows that he was in charge of the Gallipoli landing in World War I, which was a massive failure. But he never allowed his past to dictate his future. There's this one moment because he keeps getting, after that moment, he keeps getting overlooked for, you know, minister positions in other people's governments, and he keeps getting overlooked, they say, did you ever feel discouraged? And he said the words, he said, no, I never felt discouraged, because I always believed that God placed me on the earth for a purpose. What a cool thought. If I could get the band up on stage, that would be great. We know that, I know this guy, who lost his son. And sometimes when we lose people who are close to us, it can stuff up the rest of our world. But this guy really inspires me that even though he lost his disabled son, he's still serving God powerfully today because he didn't let the hurt and the pain control his life. We read about Brian Houston. Brian Houston's another guy who, I don't know about you, but as a young pastor and, and maybe still now, we, I'd go, man, I'd love, what he's, I'd love what he's got. I'd love to do what he's doing. But do I really want the pain and the hurt and the betrayal that he's gone through in his life? Because you ever look at his life, he's been betrayed by those he should be able to trust. The media's reported false stuff about him. Stuff happened with his dad. You know, like he's been through some terrible stuff, but he's never allowed the pain and the hurt stop him from the fact that there's more. In fact, he wrote a whole book about the fact that there is more. Abraham Lincoln lost at least one son before he became president, because there's more. So this morning, as we pause it there, God's got more for you. We go back to the boat. And Peter's about to step out into the boat. He's about to step out into his moor. Now, if you, if you read the story, you get the idea that it was pretty rough, and that's why I put it up here a little bit, because it looks like this is where the waves riding up, and Jesus is down there. You know, the waves go up, and if someone's there, they'll, they'll be lower than here. So it adds to this thing. So he's here, and it's rough. And Peter sees it's rough. But Jesus said, come. So in that moment, he's about to step out. Now, sometimes in our lives, We want to stay in the boat until God fixes up all of this stuff first. Before I deal with the unforgiveness in my heart, before I deal with that, uh, I'm going to deal with that abuse. I'm going to deal with that betrayal. I'm going to deal with all this stuff first Till when everything gets right, then I'll take my step. When I know everything's going to be safe, when I know that everything's going to be secure in my life, then I'll step out. But the cool thing about Peter is he doesn't wait for that. He doesn't say, Jesus, calm the seas Get everything right because, man, it looks a bit rough. Then I'll step out and follow you. He just says, come, and Peter says, all right, I'm coming out. Because in our life, the, the great promise of God is that if we'll just step out, if we'll just take that step, then God starts to deal with all that stuff in the step. He helps us forgive people. He brings healing in our life, but first it takes that step. And the really cool thing is as we're walking along, we might feel like there comes a moment when we're sinking, but if we ask Jesus for help in that moment, that's when he comes and rescues us out of the water. That's when he comes and saves us because he loves us so much, because he believes in us so much, because he created you, because he loves you so much, because he puts so much of his thoughts towards you. He will rescue you. He will look after you. You're his kids, but you need to take a step. We need to take a step. There's people here with dreams in this, in this room. All throughout this place, people with dreams, pe- even people who just believe, God, you've got more for me. To get to that dream, to get to that more, it's going to take a step this morning. So you don't just, I, I was explaining this to someone once. If you want to be, if you want to be a, let's say you want to be a, a teacher. Sorry, you want to be a principal. You want to be a school principal. You can't just step straight into being the school principal from university, can you? You've got to, become a, you've got to go to uni, you've got to be a, become a school teacher, then you've got to serve for a while, then you might become a head of department, then you might become a deputy, and then you might become the principal. In my life, I saw it, I had to get a job in the bananas, which I hated. But it takes a step. It goes bananas, and then I got a job as a chaplain, and then I got a job as a uh, as an employment worker. I didn't like that job much either. Then I had, then I got a job as a youth worker because it. And then, and then, uh, and then you have a look at my ministry side. First, I became a youth leader. Then I became the youth leader. Then I became uh, the guy who leads leads the uh, services on a Sunday. Then I became an assistant pastor because it takes steps. What's your step this year that you can take? Maybe it's. I'm going to join the kids ministry team because you've got a dream. Maybe it's, I'm going to join the creche team. Maybe it's, I'm going to join the hospitality team. Maybe you're going to become a deacon. Maybe it's going to be you're going to go and get a job because you're unemployed. Maybe it's going to be you're going to go and start applying for a different job. Maybe you're going to start to invite more people over your place because you believe you're an evangelist or you're going to start going and spending time with people and giving to people and loving on people because you've got a dream, but it's going to take a step first why don't you stand with me this morning? I love Pastor John's word that he loves and changed his life and we've got it painted on the back wall. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God's got something amazing for us but it's going to take a step. This year, why don't you pull out your phone and write down what your step's going to be. If you can't write it down right now, or write on the piece of paper. If you can't write down now, why don't you spend the next week thinking about what's my step going to be this year, my step of faith that I'm going to take? And it might feel like you're stepping out of the boat under rough water, but we all need to take a step if we're going to get to what God's called us to be and do. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Center's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.